Hey, my monkeys, what's up? This is Uncle Silverback. You're listening to the Armed Ape Podcast. Today is Sunday, the 31st of October, 2010. Ooh, it's Halloween, it's scary. Alright, guys. Most of you are probably listening to this after Halloween, so I hope you had a fun and safe Halloween. Hope everything went well and you got lots of candy and your kids had fun if you got them, or if you don't, hopefully you had fun. Today's show is going to be a little bit shorter show. We will uh, hear from Eric. We got a voicemail from him a couple of weeks ago where he had done a a couple of movie reviews, and so we'll play the uh, movie review that he's got coming up. And, you know, speaking of getting in contact with me, let's go ahead and just get our contact info out of the way. If you want to send in a voicemail like Eric did or like Nick has done or, or Ken, some of the other guys have done, please feel free to do so. You can call 206-339-3266, and again, that number, 206-339-3266. I thought there was a five-minute limit, but I think it may have been bumped up to around maybe 10 minutes or so. But anyway, if you want to do a review or if you have questions about something, or kind of like Nick had done, he had a question about, you know, is there anything out there that you could store a firearm in or what would you do if you were riding a bicycle and you you had a firearm on you and you had to go into a uh, the post office or a building uh, or private property where they did not uh, allow you to carry a firearm. And, uh, you know, the more I thought about that, I short of actually maybe welding something to the frame... Um, and making it look like it kind of was part of, that's how it came from the factory, so nobody would really think twice about it. Uh, I don't know. And then also you're going to run into the problem of, let's say that I was on a bicycle, I rode up to the post office, I needed to go in, but I can't go in with my with my gun. And if I have something that's on the outside of the, of the bike, saddlebags or something like that, it's going to be rather difficult for me to put that in there without anybody noticing it. So it would make it much more of a, a likely target to be stolen. So uh, again, Nick, we haven't heard anything yet. If we do hear anything, or if you came up with a solution, something that you found that kind of worked for you, uh, let us know. Now, we also have the Facebook page, and uh, which is The Armed Ape, which is kind of like a fan page. And we have um, my page, which is Tony Brown. So if you go over there, uh, you can see that. Um, Don't forget, I've also got my other podcast, which is Firearms Cafe, which also has a fan page as well. Uh, So if you wanted to leave any suggestions or had any questions about anything, uh, go ahead and let me know. Now, if you wanted to do a review, let's say if you wanted to record a review, send it in to me or record your questions or just record a message you want to send out to people, uh, feel free to do that, and you can send that to me at thearmedape at gmail.com. Again, that's all going to be one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. All right, let's go ahead and uh, we'll just jump in with Eric's review. Hey, Tony, this is Eric calling in with a movie review in five minutes for the uh, Armed Ape podcast. 
So I finally just watched The Wild Bunch. I've been listening to Michael Bain talk about it and, and mention it again and again on his podcast for, God, I don't know, almost a year now. He's consistently mentioning this gun, the or this movie, I'm sorry. The reason I said this gun is because this movie has actually inspired a whole other class of shooting in single action society and cowboy action shooting where they shoot Wild Bunch class, where 1911s are allowed and I believe certain models of pump shotgun. Now, I was born in 1978. The first movie I remember seeing in the theater was Return of the Jedi. I grew up watching Star Trek, and, and outer space was my thing, okay? So going back and watching an old Western at times can almost be painful. I hate the spaghetti Westerns. They're just freaking weird. I can't sit through them. My two favorite Westerns are Tombstone and Silverado. I think those are just absolutely classic. I love those movies. So I'm kind of hesitant to watch The Wild Bunch, right? This was made in 1969. It was directed by Sam Peckinpah. And the plot is basically about an outlaw gang that, that's really aging on the Texas-Mexico border. They're trying to exist and change in this modern world of 1913, okay? Internal combustion engines. They heard of, uh, of flight being possible, you know. So it's right around the turn of the century. And it was controversial at the time because of its graphic, bloody violence for the time, uh, its portrayal of crude men and, and realism. One of the things Peckinpah was noted for in this movie was saying, no, we're not going to use the same canned sound effect every time. I want every gun to sound different. And when the squibs weren't performing to his satisfaction, he emptied a real gun into a wall and said, that's the effect I want. So... Uh, where I took Tombstone and, and maybe Silverado as being some of the first more realistic Westerns, you know, as opposed to Roy Rogers, uh, really this was probably right up there in terms of really pushing for realism. Uh, one of the interesting things, in 93, Warner Brothers resubmitted the film to the MPAA ratings board prior to an expected re-release, and uh, to the studio's surprise, the originally R-rated film was given an NC-17 rating, delaying the release until the decision was appealed. Now, that's since gotten a, a secured an R rating, and it is still definitely an R-rated movie. 1969, Western, definitely rated R even today. Um, the violence and whatnot, you know what? It holds up. It stands the test of time. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out here and get to the point. Uh, after watching this movie, I want to own it. It is right up there with Silverado and Tombstone and as one of my favorite westerns. Heresy, though this may be, it is better than anything John Wayne did. It is an absolute amazing movie. Ernest Borgnine pretty much sucks as an actor. I mean, if you've ever seen The Poseidon Adventure, he's a wiener. But he's good in this. You know, it's, everything about this movie really works, and I was flabbergasted that uh, that what I would consider such an old movie is so great. You know, there are very few movies that are that old where I feel like the acting is really acting, where it's subtle enough, where it conveys anything. Uh, Cary Grant and Charade would be one example that I really like, Wait Until Dark. And, uh, and this really holds up. It tells the story, and there's a reason for it, and it's really good. If you just pay attention to the subtlety, I never got bored. I never wanted to play a game on my phone or something while I was sitting there. I sat and watched this movie the whole way through. It absolutely captivated me. So if you guys haven't seen The Wild Bunch, 
And uh, if you think maybe you don't like Westerns, give this one a shot because there really is something special to it. And uh, and I really do think that you guys would enjoy it quite a bit. I'm giving it two thumbs up. And uh, when I find the, the Super Duper Director's Cut Edition on DVD, this one will be getting added to my personal home library. So that was a movie review in under five minutes for The Wild Bunch. And uh, cannot recommend it highly enough. You guys take care. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Eric, for sending in your review. We appreciate it. And uh, please feel free to contact the show or send those in anytime you want. Uh, we'll always drop your stuff in. If you guys aren't listening to Eric's show, he does the Handgun Podcast. And that's on iTunes, or you can go over to his website, handgunpodcast.com, and subscribe to him through there. Uh, he does an awesome show, puts one out every week. Uh, my, unlike myself, has a, uh, a better organizational capacity to do a show every week than I do. Now, let's talk about some of the points that he made as far as, you know, looking at, at some of the older movies, especially when we go back into the 60s, we start to see a little bit of a departure from the westerns of the 40s, 50s, uh, and even into the, into the early 60s. Um, it, it, one movie that you would would say would be similar in feel, uh, but I feel doesn't have the weight that The Wild Bunch has, is The Professionals. But it deals with uh, some of the same things. You have some guys that uh, are uh, kind of aging. Um, in fact, you've got some, a couple of the same, uh, the same people, excuse me, same people. Um, you've got Robert Ryan, uh, who I actually thought as he got older... Um, was kind of more believable as a a uh, kind of a not necessarily a, a an on-screen tough guy, but he he seemed to bring kind of a lot of weight to his role, if you know what I mean. Um, but the professionals is something again that's similar to Wild Bunch, and like I said, I think Wild Bunch accomplishes what it wanted to do a little bit better. Um, you still have on the professionals some of the slickness of, of kind of old Hollywood type stuff on there. Um, now, it's been a long time since I've seen the professionals. I should probably watch it again. Uh, in fact, I have got, um, I put Wild Bunch and Professionals both on my Netflix queue. So I'll, I'll be watching those in the next couple of weeks and we'll be able to kind of fill you in on kind of what I thought on those after having a real fresh viewing. I mean, it's been years, probably. 10, 12 years since I've seen either one. Uh, and I've, I haven't seen them in you know, DVD form where you get the original format. Uh, I've watched them you know, like on the Western Channel or, or you know, on, uh, on one of the pay-per-view channels type things. Uh, you know, premium channels like HBO or Showtime or something like that when they have them on. So uh, I'd like to see it in DVD um, and be able to kind of see it kind of as it was intended. Now, another point that Eric had brought up was that he didn't like a lot of the old spaghetti westerns, that they were kind of, seemed kind of corny and this and that. I would, now, for me, I love them. I love the old spaghetti westerns. Part of the, of the problem, though, that a modern audience can have is, of course, that they're dubbed. And, and the, the dubbing that was done back then was terrible. Um, any type of a foreign movie, if it has the original soundtrack with subtitles, for me, that's how I prefer to watch it. 
Uh, I find that the the dubbing a lot of times just takes me out of it and uh in fact for the you know unless it's sort of like the only copy that's available i again i i won't i usually won't watch a foreign uh foreign film in english um and what's funny is i've watched so many and i've done it for so long is that i'm not uh when I remember back on it, I don't think of it as being in the foreign language. I remember the actors' voices and their inflection, but I remember everything being in English because I've read it, and I guess my your you know your brain kind of sandwiches up and makes it make sense for you. And I don't know if anybody else kind of has experienced that or not, but when like I said, when I remember back on some of the uh, like a lot of the Japanese movies that I watch or some of the old uh, the, some of the German or or uh, just any basically any foreign film that I watch, that kind of happens. Um, but like I said, I'm so used to it that even while I'm watching, I don't I don't notice the subtitles so much. Now it, it does take away a little bit from your viewing, and that's why I like having DVD because sometimes the subtitles go too fast, or if you want to rewatch something, you can kind of rewind it and do it that way. Uh, but again, kind of that getting back to that dubbing thing. If we look at some of what we would call maybe the classic spaghetti westerns, there's a few of them out there that have the original, and and usually it's going to be Italian soundtracks, onto them. But even with some of those, what you can run into, unless it was like a full Italian production where they didn't have any American stars coming in, is in a lot of those movies, what what everybody would do is they would speak whatever language they was their native language. So if you had, for instance, in Good and the Bad and the Ugly, you, you know guys like Eli Wallach, um, Lee Van Cleef, and Clint Eastwood spoke English. And the other guy, and so if you saw one that would be in the original Italian, their voices would be dubbed. Uh, so th- there is some problems on, on some of that, and that's why maybe some of those aren't available. Uh, at least that's my understanding of it. If I'm kind of off base on that, let me know. Uh, let's see, what else was he saying? Oh, he also said that he liked, I think it was uh, Silverado and, uh, was it Tombstone? I think Eric said. Anyway, for me, I like those, but they do, and especially Silverado really kind of had to me sort of the the feel of kind of, kind of like, it had like the stink of Hollywood on it, if you know what I mean. Um, and I feel that some of the older westerns, especially some of the Italian and spaghetti westerns, you get people in there who really have like a real gritty kind of, uh, and, a, and this isn't a pejorative, but they have kind of like a gritty, dirty look. You know, they look like somebody who's actually been outside. Uh, and in a lot of the Hollywood movies, you know, you get these people and they... It kind of, some of them harkens back to the stuff of the 50s where these guys look like they just rolled out of the beauty parlor. You know, their clothes are perfect. They don't have any dust or dirt on them. And uh, also everybody is uh, pretty, basically, for lack of a better word. And if you look at some of the older, um, uh, some of the older spaghetti westerns, the older Italian films, you get people in there that would never, ever in a million years be cast in an American production. And uh, to me, that, in, that lends a real uh, um, a sense of realism. Uh, 
one of the one of the movies that I watched recently, and I think I, I can't remember if I talked about it or not, but was um, Once Upon a Time in the West. I watched that, which I really liked. I really liked seeing Henry Fonda as just basically a despicable scumbag kind of guy. And I liked all the characters, but again, you had, and I and I especially liked Jason Robar's character. Uh, he plays a guy named Cheyenne, and uh, that's that's a movie that I would recommend if you guys want to see. Um, but for the most part, pretty much, I thought Eric's review was right on. The movie holds up, and and can stand the um, uh, kind of the modern scrutiny of what we're sort of used to as far as with production values and the quality of acting um, you know that's why sometimes when we look back at the old movies it can be a bit of a chore to watch them because the acting style how things are done is so much different than what we're used to having said that however if you just give them a chance and and uh, I hate to say kind of get used to it but if you if you give them a chance and get used to it, you, I think you can enjoy them uh, at least on some level where you know it doesn't have to get to the point where you're just like, oh, I just can't stand to watch this stuff anymore. Listen up, monkeys! I'm gonna school you. Well, I'm not making hate, but gonna be hate making me. What's time I think they kill or keep a fire and lose a living? I gotta go faster, keep up the pace. Just to stay in my human race I could go supersonic The problem's chronic Tell me does life exist beyond it When it needs to stay I just accelerate Into oblivion Into oblivion Now here I go again Everything is alien I know that feel the fear I'm tripped by the way Some girls will change My teeth are senseless I rendered meaningless when measured in the pain, I could go supersonic, the problem's chronic. Tell me, does life exist beyond it? What it needs to say, I just accelerate into oblivion. I won't lie, it's exciting when I try to do something. I just wanna live. The name of that song is You and it's by Bad Religion. Music is provided courtesy of Mevio. One of the things that I've been wanting to do for probably about two or three years now and have slowly been kind of building some, uh, building it up a little bit is I've been wanting to get some tools, some really good hand tools. And by that I don't mean something like, you know, Milwaukee or DeWalt, things like that. What I mean is non-power tools so that uh, if I was ever uh, out somewhere that was remote, I could take a few tools with me and be able to uh, to build something to make my stay there a little bit more comfortable. And this was kind of brought home to me um, a little bit with how much easier it was to make that uh, a little mallet that I made 
for driving tent pegs and stuff when I was out camping last time. And one of the things I took with me was that Scotch-Eyed Auger. And of course, that's not a power tool, uh, but it's something that allows you to do uh, a task that would otherwise be extremely difficult and would be a lot of work if all you had was a knife or a small knife, you know, being able to drill that hole. Um, and when you think about it, if you, if you had just a few hand tools, just a few really basic things, you could actually accomplish quite a bit. And what I've been doing is looking back at a time when there really wasn't um, that much electricity uh, available all over the place. So especially if you look back into the 20s and 30s, yeah, they had electricity, but not everybody have it. And you could, you, it would, it would be a much more realistic scenario to find yourself. Uh, maybe over at a uh, working somewhere on a project where there was just going to be no way to get electricity to you. Uh, so one of the things that I've, I'm looking at getting, uh, well, I guess before I should before I talk about that, what I should say is I've I've got a pretty decent collection of saws. Um, I've got a pretty decent collection of chisels, um, uh, things. But, but what I really need is, and I'm, I guess I'm really more talking almost about like woodworking stuff. Um, and you could look at it, you know, for kind of like shit hits the fan scenario type things. If you know, um, you know, what could I, what could I use to, uh, to do a repair or to, or again, uh, the kind of what I'm thinking about it more is, you know, if I was out in the woods and I was going to have to be out there for an extended period of time, what are some of the things that I would like to have with me? Um, and again, this would be with, you know, that you wouldn't have any power, um, so you're not going to have like a bunch of solar panels or a wind turbine out there to generate electricity for you. Uh, so you would want things like a, maybe a rip saw and a crosscut saw. Um, a rip saw is basically you would rip the wood so you would go with the grain, crosscut as as the sand as you're cutting across the grain. Uh, and the teeth patterns are different. Um, so you'd want maybe a couple of those. You'd want like a good set of chisels. You'd want a uh, maybe a spoke shave and a couple of draw knives. And like I said, I do have some of the saws and some of the chisels and things like that. What I and I've got one kind of almost like a it's a smaller. You'd really classify it more as like a, a spoke shave. But I'd, I'd actually like to get uh, a couple of good draw knives. And I'd like to also get um, some good hand drills. And there's a couple of different types that, that when you're looking at those, there's the kind that looks like, um, it, it's, it almost looks like it's got like a little shoe on the end of it. Uh, and that's a shoulder brace. And basically what you would do is you've got a crank, uh, similar to like an egg beater type thing. And you would you would crank that, and that's going to spin your drill bit. And then you've got the shoulder brace to to kind of lean into it. There's also they have smaller kind of hand ones that um, a lot of them you would almost call it like a like a jeweler's drill to where you you know you don't. Uh, and again, that looks much. That's actually one that looks much more like an egg beater. Uh, you also have a brace, another type of brace or a hand drill where the um, the top of it sort of looks like a doorknob and then it kind of goes straight down 
and it curves out, makes kind of a U shape, and then curves back in and goes down again. And in that, in the bottom of that U shape, I guess you'd say, you've got another little wooden handle, and then you hold the top of the doorknob and you spin the whole thing, and that turns your drill bit. Uh, so I'm looking at getting some good quality ones of those. And uh, like I said, I, I'm trying to look at what did people use in the 30s when hand tools were more common. I also want to get a couple of good block planes. Um, and then along with that, of course, I, you need to learn, I need to learn how to sharpen all those things by hand, you know, using a file or using stones, depending on, you know, if it's a chisel or, you know, using a file if you're going to have uh, something like a, uh, you know, your saws and things like that. Um, now there's one thing and I don't know what it's called, but it was a, uh, I saw the guy on YouTube and it was, I can't remember the name of the thing. I think it was called Bygone Tony or something like that. Um, but anyway, uh, the guy is, he's a woodworker and he uses, what looks like uses mostly kind of hand tools and some of the older tools. But he had thing that it looked like, uh, one tool that was really cool and it was used I guess primarily maybe for splitting logs and trying to get things down to where you could split them almost to where you could get boards or a rough board shape. Uh, but it had a long wooden handle and then the actual uh, steel or the, the tool part of it, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, so you've got the long wooden handle. And if you think of that as going straight up and down, then the, the handle goes horizontal or goes kind of off and so it makes like an L shape and then it's um, and it basically looks like it's maybe two or three inches wide and again it's, it's sort of like an L shape and uh, if I can I'll try and find a link and put it on there to one of his videos where he's using it but what he was able to do is he holds the handle part of it and then that L shape that you know jaunts off let's say if you're holding it in your left hand that L shape is going to go off to the right and then you put that on top of the, your log that you want to split and you smack it a couple of times with the mallet and then you use and then you just pull down and kind of use leverage to split the wood the rest of the way and uh, I thought that was a pretty neat tool and I'd, uh, I'd like something to, like that now you know, I know I said that I've I've been wanting to get stuff that's kind of hand tools to where you don't have to have power to depend on them. But one thing that I uh, have heard of and um, uh, saw a video on it, and I think it's by, um, I don't know if it was his original idea uh, or if it was something that he saw, but uh, some of you guys know who Jack Spierko is. He does the Survival Podcast. Now, I don't agree with every single thing he says, but... I think he's got a lot of good ideas, and uh, sometimes I think he looks back on how things used to be with a little bit more of uh, kind of rose-colored glasses uh, on some of that. And like I said, I I don't agree with everything the guy says. I like him. I think he I think he is uh, very sincere, and I think what he really wants to do is he wants to uh, help people. And he wants to uh, help people have a better life. And what, you know, I think, I guess you'd call it his tagline is, uh, you know, uh, preparing for when time gets tough or even if they don't, which I think is a really good philosophy. Um, and it basically, it boils down to, 
And it's a philosophy that, you know, it's it's not one that he made up. It's, it's things that a lot of people have, but uh, it's a philosophy of, you know, you should be prepared for if things go really bad. But if they don't, the things that you that you did to prepare for the hard times actually made your life better. It, it didn't hurt you. It didn't. Uh, it wasn't money that was uh, pissed away or wasn't well spent. Uh, so if you guys aren't listening to him, I, I'd say you know go ahead, give him a try. Uh, and uh, it's the Survival Podcast again. You can go to survivalpodcast.com and and. Uh, uh, I think he's over on iTunes. I'm sure he's on iTunes. That's how I subscribe to him. Um, but anyway, the idea that he had, or that he showed in a video that he did, was he had a um, battery-powered reciproc- reciprocating saw. Now I've got a reciprocating saw, but of course it's it's you know it's uh, it has to be plugged in. But I thought he had. I, I mean, he was going around his property. And he was just cutting down, you know, kind of smaller things that needed to be trimmed and stuff here and there. And it just, he had a, I think it was his was maybe a DeWalt uh, reciprocating saw. And he had the battery and he just zip, you know, he would zip right through the stuff. And I thought, man, that would be a really good idea to take uh, camping. And because what it would allow you to do is to really um, be able to get a lot of work done with very little energy expenditure on your part. And if most of you guys, you know, if you go out camping a lot, you understand that gathering the wood, finding the wood is kind of one big thing. And then processing the wood is, is, you know, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And of course, when you're out there and you're camping, you only have so much daylight and you have to um, task so much time to each one of those jobs that you want to do. So... Uh, you know, a good example is if, you know, if you're going to eat, and, if, and this is, again, if you're going to, you know, try and just, you know, do most stuff from a uh, cooking with a fire as opposed to, you know, having a stove and things like that out there. Uh, but it's not like, you know, at home uh, where you can, in five minutes, you can pop something in the microwave and, and go from there. So you have to allocate your time, uh, and you're also expending energy. Uh, and now, especially if you're, again, where I was, uh, this last time that I went out camping, even though I was pretty far out, um, you could tell that the area had been used before and probably had been used pretty recently. So you kind of have to range out a little bit further to get the resources to find some good dry wood. And, uh, what ended up happening with me is, that I was able to find some stuff that had kind of dead. It was dead, but it wasn't on the ground. I, the uh, They had kind of blown over and were propped up. And so I went out there and I, I cut some of them down. But then you've got to, you know, peel the bark off of them. And uh, they, they still had some moisture in it. And it also had been raining up there a couple of days prior from when I went up. So that the wood was relatively wet so you had you had to split it open to be able to get into the dry stuff and even then the first night I kind of had to baby my fire and stuff like that to but uh, in uh, around the the firing that I made I stacked up the wood uh, so that it could help dry it out the heat would dry it out and then of course by the next day the wood had dried out enough um, but even on that next day 
when you would put some of the bigger pieces on, they still you could see sometimes some of the uh, uh, the wood would kind of steam, and you could see in some cases you could see the water kind of bubble out of it. Uh, but it it will burn, you know. You can you can get your uh, good bed of coals going, and it gets nice and hot enough, and it'll burn it. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought that was a good idea about having the reciprocating saw, so that even if you went out there and you only had your one battery, and you used it all up your first day, if again if you could allocate your time in such a manner to where you use that to process up all that wood, you could do it relatively quickly with very little expenditure of energy. It's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. All right, this is the time in the show where I like to talk about uh, and give some shout-outs to about the uh, podcasts and maybe books or shows that I'm watching. Um, as always, I like to mention... Uh, Vince and Nick over at the uh, Be Movie Cast. That's a great podcast if you like movies. If you're a movie fan like I am, uh, that show just can't be beat. Um, also, I, I a lot of times I forget to mention, but Nick, uh, who's, ask, who's asking, blah, blah, blah. okay, Nick Brown, uh, who's one of the co-hosts of the Be Movie Cast, and his name is spelled N-I-C-B-R-O-W-N. Just in case you need to know how to spell Brown. Uh, but he's also an author, so if you go over to his website, which is, I think is B-Movie Man, um, he's got a book called Werewolf for Hire, and uh, you can check that out. As pre- but as previously mentioned, uh, that is a fantastic, uh, fantastic podcast. Lots of good listener involvement and uh, building a real good sense of community. Um, let's see, uh, I think we mentioned our buddy Eric over at the Handgun Podcast, also Jack Spearco at the Survival Podcast. Um, there is another one, and I was turned on to this one from Vince's podcast, uh, from the B-Movie Cast, which is the Nashi Cast. Uh, if, and again, if you're kind of a fan of the, um, uh, the older horror movies and, and, uh, and some of those things, the B-movies, this is going to be right up your alley. Uh, Paul uh, Nashi or Nashe, I, I guess I've always called it Nashi, um, was kind of a, a, a horror guy, did a lot of kind of werewolf movies and things like that. Um, but he was Spanish. Uh, kind of an interesting backstory, which I learned from uh, the Nashi cast, was that in the... Spanish censorship board or the film board or whatever didn't want any type of negative light shown on Spain, and so he uh, all all his movies, even though they're probably filmed in Spain, take place outside of Spain, and his main character is a uh, I think is a, is Polish, and um, he his name isn't. His real name is something like Carlo something or other, I think. I can't remember. But anyway, even he, he did like a, a name that was, I think, a German. Maybe uh, Nashi or Nashe is a German name. Um, anyway, I'm starting to kind of ramble here. Let's kind of get back and focus in a little bit on topic. Recently, uh, because it's Halloween, of course, recently on TMC... Uh, which is Turner Classic Movies, they showed a ton of really good movies. Uh, I watched The Criminal Code the other day with Boris, got Boris Karloff in it. 
he had he plays a supporting role. He's not the star, uh, but he would be the guy that you would recognize uh, out of everybody else. There's also um, a guy, and it took me a little bit when I was watching it. One of the prisoners, and then I'm like, "Who is that dude? He looks familiar." Some of you guys may know who Andy Devine is. Now he, most people out there would know him probably from. More so from the uh, the '60s series Flipper, and um, he played he played a, a guy that uh, was kind of like a crusty old sea salt kind of guy down there in Florida. Uh, but he was actually from uh, Kingman, Arizona, which is where I spent some time uh, growing up. And uh, in fact, one of the the main thoroughfares is the Andy Devine Boulevard or something like that. But he was actually in the movie The Criminal Code, and he had a small part. Uh, but it was funny because I was so used to seeing him as an older man who was kind of a bigger, fatter guy. And you look back and you see him kind of as a young guy, uh, you know, uh, in, in relatively in shape and all that stuff. And But he still sort of had that same voice. He had a very distinct voice, if you've ever heard him. Uh, you, you would know it kind of right away. It was kind of a... This is going to be a really terrible impression. But he had a voice kind of like, Well, bud, you know, that's not really what you need to be doing. You know, that's, and that, he doesn't sound like that's a terrible, terrible impression. Uh, but anyway, that was one of the movies that I watched. And I got a kick out of spotting Andy Devine in there. Uh, another one that I watched, or I'm starting to watch right now, I'm kind of in the middle of it, is called The Ghoul. And uh, again, that's a Boris Karloff movie. There's another one that I'm watching where he's a little, uh, I think it's from the mid-40s, maybe, yeah, maybe 41, 42, so maybe it's early 40s, called uh, The Devil Commands. Uh, but like I said, TMC had a bunch of really cool movies on there, and so I recorded a bunch of them, and I'm going to be watching those over the next few days. Um, another one I recorded was Mad Love, excuse me, with uh, Peter Lorre. Um, if you want to see a really good performance by Peter Lorre and you want to see a really good, just a good movie in general, uh, is a movie called M. And uh, that movie was done, I think, in 31 or 33. I can't, I don't have it, the stuff in front of me, so I can't remember. Um, but basically, Peter Lorre plays a, uh, a child murderer. And although they don't, they don't say it. It's sort of, I think, as as an adult viewing the film, you would also probably understand that he he was a pedophile as well. Um, but as as the movie goes on and, and the way that the, the stuff is sort of played out, very interesting. You know what I may do? Uh, I may do a review on that in the, in the upcoming weeks. Um, just a, a fantastic movie. Um, also, there's another really good movie um, called All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, excellent, excellent movie. Uh, again, some of the acting, you know, uh, if we kind of go back to Eric's review a little bit um, and, and some of the things we talked about there, some of the acting isn't going to be what we're used to today. But if you can if you can get into the movie and kind of lose yourself in it, um, they're they're very well worth your time. They're worthwhile movies, 
And a lot of these movies, I think, are things that should be seen. Now, let's take a step back again and talk about M with Peter Lorre. There are are things that they talk about in there, and uh, I'll, I'll save some of it for the review uh, and when I can do some spoilers and stuff. But there are things in that movie, um, the way that certain things are presented would be the exact same thing that you would see today. And when I the very first time I saw the movie, I was, oh, maybe in my early 20s. And it was a real eye-opener because I thought, oh, well, that's where that kind of comes from. Or, or some of the, the movies that I had seen that I thought were very original in concepts and story, uh, you're like, oh, well, that's, you know, they just kind of uh, looked back and sort of ripped off that stuff. So, uh, and then maybe rip off is too, kind of too too strong of a word. Uh, what is it? They say there's only maybe seven kind of plots in all stories, and they all basically, and then the rest are just variations of a theme. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, I'm still reading the um, the Chris Ryan book, Ultimate Weapon, uh, enjoying that. And normally I'm a pretty fast reader, and uh, usually I'll read right before I go to bed. And what's happening lately is I'm so tired uh, that I, I'm only getting maybe, you know, five or six pages, and I'm falling asleep. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of having to uh, uh, dredge through it here a little bit. I need to uh, kind of read it when I'm more awake and have some downtime. So, um, you know, that reminds me one thing that that uh, we used to do as a family that we've kind of gotten away from. Uh, and we probably need to, I'm probably going to institute it again, is we used to, and, and the night didn't matter, but I think ours was a Monday night. We used to pick a Monday night, where, we, uh, and on that night, we wouldn't watch any television at all. All we would do is read. and uh, So no TV, no radio, nothing like that. You just, everybody has a book or read. And in the case of our daughter, you know, she really can't read books on her own yet so we could read to her and then after she went to bed instead of us watching tv or whatever we would just go ahead and and read our book so i think i'm going to go ahead and do that um i i have uh, such a love of reading and it's, it's sad that most people don't read that much anymore uh but anyway let's see what else did we go ahead and talk about that i've uh, been oh oh yeah i recorded um, the Walking Dead, the new AMC uh, series. So far, now I've only watched maybe about the first 10-15 minutes of it, and I, the reason I stopped was because I, I uh, told my wife, I said, hey, this is, I think, a series that you might really like. Um, but what I've seen so far of it, I like. It's well acted. Uh, things are, are relatively, you know, believable, obviously, for the you know, from a show about zombies and stuff, it's you, know, you have to suspend disbelief here a little bit. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be uh, a good series. Hopefully, it it um, it, it doesn't kind of fall down. Uh, sometimes these things can start off really well, but uh, they have trouble being sustained. So hopefully, it'll turn out to be a good series. Um, I recently started watching Fringe. Uh, and that looks like it's going to be really good, and I'll just have to get the the stuff through Netflix. 
Um, if any of you guys have any uh, shows that you like or any movies that you like that you either want to do a review on or if you just want to call in and give a uh, kind of a shout out to what you think would be uh, good for somebody to do and you don't necessarily want to do a review but maybe you have two or three movies that you think the rest of us would like to watch, uh, go ahead and call in either at the voicemail at 206-339-3266 or drop me a line at email at thearmedape at gmail.com. All right, my monkeys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I'll talk to you next time. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Oh,